That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. We are back. Uh, the same old song. And so for those of you, it seems like a week, but it's uh, just been a couple of minutes for just Aaron and I and uh, trying to keep on schedule. Are we Mere late? seconds. We're probably running late. We're late. So Dave's angry. Yeah. So let's uh, jump right into it. What Woo. is the, well, how are you doing? Just kidding. Fine. So, doing great. Uh, but, Still good. <laughs> what are our readings today? Well, Jake, I'm glad you asked. So the first one for the sixth Sunday of Easter is Acts chapter 16, verses 9 through 15. Revelation 21 verse 10, and then skipping a lot until we get to uh, 20, chapter 22, uh, verses 20, or, this is written sort of weird here. Anyway, we skip verses. And then uh, you have a choice for the gospel reading. It's either John 14, which picks up from where we left last mm-hmm. week, Jesus the Last Supper, having just been betrayed, or John 5, verses 1 through 9, which is the story of the person that Jesus asked, do you want to get well at this pool um, in Bethsaida. Which so, do you want to do, John 14? I think, well, we can do that with a little PS on John 5. Oh, well, let's do okay. it. That's great. All right. All right. So we begin with this uh, um, story in Acts, which is the really famous one. It's, it's one that um, if you've ever raised support to go on a mission trip, <laughs> Or <laughs> Jake knows where I'm going. I have. I, yeah, I use this Jake's exact done verse. it. I've done it. We've all done no. it. Let's be honest. Um, uh, or if you have received a letter from someone who's going on a mission trip, they might have quoted Acts chapter 16, and they might have talked about the vision of the man from Macedonia who says, come over to Macedonia to help us. Um, so Paul, St. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who's planning all these churches and doing all this missionary work, uh, he'd wanted to go, and I, uh, he wanted to go somewhere else, and that was not possible. And so, but instead, God had another plan and gave him this vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over to help us. So they go there, and there's, you know, Luke is writing this, so he's, and he's using first-person plural, we, so this is the part of the book of Acts where he's giving kind of his eyewitness accounts, his memories of these trips, and he gives way more navigational instructions He's like, in 900 feet, take a right on Fifth Avenue. So we set sail from Troas, took a straight course to Samothrace. Aren't you bored? I'm bored. And then they get to Philippi, though, and this is what's important. This is where the beginnings of the Philippian church is, and that's why we have the letter to the Philippians, because Paul goes there, and he goes down by the river to pray, and because um, apparently there's no synagogue in this place. So that means the Jewish population has to meet outdoors, and often it was by a body of water, moving water, not stagnant water, had to be moving water for ritual ablutions and washings and stuff like that. They were part of their uh, liturgical and ceremonial life. So they're down by the river, and they meet Lydia, um, and she is a dealer in purple cloth, and she comes to faith and gets baptized, and that's the story. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, if I were to preach this, I'm not sure what I would say. So you rescue me. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, 
This is a this is a tough one. So I mean, I think this is a detail, but I do think because it's just sort of a historical narrative. Yeah, and it's like, but well, going back to uh, going back to well, one, uh, it goes back to what we were talking about last week a little bit at first. So here, I mean, these men are going and speaking with women. It's a huge no-no in any culture at that time. Yep. But there is a real sense of freedom for the sake of the mission. And so, and that's, that, that is a powerful thing, is that uh, these, these are people who have been set free for the sake of preaching the gospel wherever they can. Uh, the second thing is, is that once again, we were talking about last week, um, was the uh, glory of God, to glorify God forever, and how we want, you know, we always try and make ourselves, the law wants to make us the protagonist in the relationship. But what we see here is that God is actually at work in this whole thing. Even in a place where you would be like, God, man, where, where is God at work here? Well, uh, he's at work opening her heart. You know what I mean? Opening her heart to receive the word that Paul is preaching. And, uh, and uh, her entire household is baptized because of this preaching of the gospel. So the preaching of the gospel always leads to conversion, ultimately, when the Lord opens the heart. So there is a conversion here. There's a change. Something amazing has happened. And this is what she says. This is the confirmation. She asks them, she goes, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she prevailed upon us. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, well, let's, uh, let's see. You know yeah. what I mean? Let's check. No, uh, God had found her worthy. Mm. God had found her worthy. And so this is, um, I, I would say, one, uh, freedom. Always remember you are free. And to go forward and use that freedom for the proclamation of the gospel. Two, know that when you proclaim the gospel, uh, the Holy Spirit will open hearts. And that heart, touched by the gospel, always declares a person worthy. Oh, I feel preached in a yeah. good way. I feel, I feel, thank you. I prepared. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that makes I was one a little of us. nervous. Yeah. No, uh, but no, uh, well then done. we come to uh, Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, verse 10, and then 22 to 22, 5. And so, uh, and what's missing there is the description. It's really kind of frustrating. Uh, what's missing in the lectionary reading is actually the description of the new heaven and the new earth. All the pearly gates and the golden roads and all of the jewels and everything going on there. The hummers. Yeah, that's right. And so, but uh, it's a very, very powerful passage that's going on here. And would you just want to say anything? Yeah, I, I would hit, the thing that I would hit is I saw no temple in the city. Amen. So this, you know, last week, the heaven was being, the new, city, the, the new Jerusalem was being lowered down and uh, God is dwelling with people and there's no more crying and no more death and no more tears and everything's great. Um, God is dwelling with people and it's, it says there's no temple in the city. And the temple was the place where you went to sort of fix things. It's where you went to fix mm -hmm. the relationship with God. It's where you went to, right. you know, pay your monthly subscription fee or whatever, just kind of, you know, get right with the Lord. Um, and we have this sense, I think as well in our, um, in our worship, I mean, in every Christian church is sort of patterned after a, a first century Jewish worshiping mm -hmm. context as well. And I think everybody has a sense that like your, you know, your weekly or you know, annual visit to church, whatever, whenever you go to church, there's a little bit of a, I'm, I'm here to get washed. I'm here to get mm -hmm. clean. I'm here to get restored and kind of um, get right with God again. And um, uh, that dynamic no longer exists. Like there's no, there's nothing to clean up. Absolutely. And that's why uh, John sees that nothing is unclean there. 
you know, it won't enter it because there's no no place to go to fix it. It's been fixed. Yeah. You know, uh, and uh, or you know, abomination or falsehoods, uh, aka I'm going to earn my way into heaven, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. You yep. know what I mean? This is it's been fixed. And you know, the other thing too that I think you could touch on, perhaps now more than um, usual, is that our congregations, our people, us. I mean, I think uh, the fact that there's war in Europe, and there's, <laughs> we've had a lot of war for a long time in lots of places, um, and for lots of reasons, maybe we could say uh, people in this country are paying attention more to the war that's happening now, um, but uh, people have been destroying each other based on lines on maps for a very long time, and um, the fact that we need both, um, so a lot of our churches rightly talk about the need for individual healing and restoration, mm -hmm. but there's also a reality that there needs to be global, national healing, all that sort of stuff, and, and um, corporate healing, healing mm -hmm. as a, of us as communities. And so this does mention that in this city, there's this river of the water of life flowing through it, um, and there's these trees uh, with fruit, and, but it says the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And so this, this idea of healing, not just for us, but that also flows out into healing of, 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 you know, of everything, including mm -hmm. these nations of the world. So that's Absolutely. something that you could talk about, um, which yeah. is also in this passage. Well, I think it's beautiful, too, that, um, you know, uh, it, John sees for the very glory of God illuminated it. You know, and he is the lamb. That thing that's illuminating is the lamb that's on the throne. And, you know, this, uh, you know, you, when you read the book of Revelation, you never interpret the book of Revelation with the New York Times. You always use the Old Testament to interpret the book of Revelation. And, like, this is an imagery that harkens back to Isaiah, you know, where, uh, the, like, the light and the glory of the Lord shines on his people. And, uh, you know, Isaiah 60 and all of these passages we see finally fulfilled right there, the whole culmination. And someone could say, you know, you, know, if, well, you can be so um, heavenly minded that you're no earthly good, um, but, but uh, it's not necessarily true. Mm. Um, C.S. Lewis has this quote um, in his book, Christian Behavior. He says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were those who thought the most of the, of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they've become so ineffective in this world. Aim at heaven and you'll get the earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. And, uh, and I think that that is, you know, because in there, that vision, we're given the hope that actually the wars in the Ukraine and, and uh, bombing in Yemen and, uh, you know, and all sorts of atrocities will not have the final say. That's right. God's victory is coming, my friends, mm. and it's already here. Um, that is the tree, the tree that provides the food for the nations is the cross itself, where Jesus continues to feed you with the hope and the fruit of his body and his blood. And uh, that's there. And it's all coming together. You can believe it. Amen. Well, turning now to the Gospel of John, and again, if you pick up from last week, uh, you'll be in John 14, uh, where Judas, uh, Jesus says to Judas, parentheses, not Iscariot, those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Um, and uh, again, this is just part of Jesus' long speech uh, at the end of his life, the night he's about to be arrested. Um, he talks about sending the Holy Spirit uh, because Pentecost is coming, so that's why this verse is in this uh, is for the sixth Sunday of Easter. Uh, 
and that the Spirit will lead you into all truth and will teach you things, and um, He gives His peace to them. Um, and there's a lot there. I, you know, the first part of it where He says, those who love me will keep my word, sounds very law-ish to us because of how we've been taught to, I think, hear mm-hmm. phrases like that. Um, whereas, and this gets into the big description, uh, or the big thing, we talk a lot about a mockingbird where this is um, description, not prescription. We hear a lot of the Bible as prescription, meaning go do these things, because we are, as we uh, heard from someone uh, in our Q&A last week, but for you live people just five minutes ago, uh, that we're addicted to the law. Um, We always want to hear what we're supposed to do, and so when we read, those who love me will keep my word, that's a description. That is true. And the Word of God is to trust and believe, that the Word, the keeping of the Word is just trusting Jesus. We hear it and we just hear so much law, those who love me will keep my word. That means if I really love Jesus, I will do all the things. That's not what he says. He says, you keep my word, and his word is believe in the one whom the Father has sent. And that's the, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. That's right. That's who the he role talks of about the Holy Spirit. He says, later. whom the Father will send in my name. Right. What's the Holy Spirit going to do? Well, he's going to teach you everything. And remind you of all that I've said to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, believe in me. Trust me. And you know, it's the Holy Spirit drawing us back to Jesus. Uh, where we begin to see that it's all been done for us. He's the lamb. Mm. You know, he is that. That brings us peace in a really discouraging world. Uh, it, it reminds us that as you know, we face these difficult situations in our life. Uh, God has not forgotten you. Um, but I am with you always. Remember. The Holy Spirit reminds you, in this world, you will have tribulation. You know, I mean, look at the disciples. They're right at the very center of the work of God. And I mean, they are getting beat up. You know, uh, but in this world, you will have tribulation. But the Holy Spirit reminds us, fear not, for I've overcome the world. And really, that's the peace that the world cannot give you. That's right. And he does, he says so much of this encouraging stuff, like, I'm going to come live with you. Don't be, don't be afraid. I give you peace. Like, I come in peace. Everything's fine. And again, even in spite of this, um, so many people feel like God's angry at them. And Jesus is like, he's bending over backwards to say, I love you. I give you peace. Don't, you know, I know your hearts are often anxious, but don't let them be troubled. Um, this is the heart of Jesus, and we see this here. And again, um, we tend to hear it through ears that make it sound like law, but he, what he's saying is I'm sending the Holy Spirit to do the work for you that you can't do for yourself and to always bring you back to the gospel Amen. and always bring you back to the peace and always bring you back to love and always bring you back to the pardon. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's what I would talk about is in this passage is how we tend to hear it as law even when God is trying to tell us he loves us. Um, but that's why we have to come back again and again to this message of the and gospel. He, and he tells us this so that when we see that this all occurs in the book of Acts, uh, we believe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's belief, yeah. belief, belief, belief. Which, yeah, and um, again, that is something that uh, we tend to sometimes make addicts of the law. We make it, am I believing enough? Yeah, yeah. And I believing strongly enough? I um, talk about it as a gift. Yes. So, uh, but what would you say about John chapter 5? So, the little P.S. on John chapter 5, Jesus has just healed the son of an official in Capernaum. Capernaum is this little town on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and it's a fishing village. It was where Peter was from. It's where Jesus had healed Peter's mother-in-law famously, and there's a mm-hmm. church there that looks sort of like a UFO, had a baby with a spider. 
and it's right <laughs> over Peter's house, yeah, and right. there's a glass floor you can see inside of Peter's house. Um, and so that's where they're, Capernaum, and Jesus has healed the son of an official there, and then he goes to Jerusalem. And so he's done one healing, he's now going to do another healing, and there's a pool, um, and um, there's the, the idea was that, uh, an angel would, um, uh, would trouble the waters and you had to get into it at the moment when the water was stirred up, and if you did it at the right time, if you're the first person in, you would get healed, which I think is like the cruelest thing, because all these people are invalids, and it's like, but if you can get to the water... Mm-hmm. At the right moment, you know, like if you can get Central, out of your wheelchair, you'll be fine. The fountain in Central Park is inspired by this. Well, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. A little New York mm-hmm. history there. That's right. So um, uh, Jesus sees this man there, and we know that he takes time to talk to him because it says he'd been ill for 38 years. So, you know, um, that's an implication that Jesus took time to get to know him. He sees that he's there for a long time, and he asks him a question, which is a really profound question. Do you want to be made well? Hmm. And I think... Um, a lot of people assume uh, that people who are in a difficult situation uh, want to be made well. Jesus um, does not assume anything, and he asks this question, and the man responds with sort of a lame excuse. He says, every time the water is stirred up, I'm making my way, but somebody jumps ahead of me. So it's just an excuse. Um, and what I love about this, the man cannot perform the thing that he supposedly needs to perform to get well. He blames it on other people, mm. and Jesus heals him anyway. Yeah. And it's a great picture of the fact that God is not keeping score. That's beautiful. And I, I love how it ends. And remember, the miracles are there uh, on a profound level to confirm to us who Jesus said he was, that he is the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, uh, and he says, stand up, take up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now that day was a Sabbath. Boom. I mean, boom, here he is. And, uh, and this is kind of how it all ties together, is that ultimately, you know, we're all laying by a well. Mm. And we can't get there, and we're striving, and there's always someone ahead of us beating us into the water. But you have a loving Savior who has come, and he has demonstrated that he's your loving Savior in this miracle. And uh, you can stop the crawl. You can stop the fight uh, because Jesus is your Sabbath rest. It's amazing that this man in the first century, the man that Jesus healed, is doing the thing that all of us do, which is compare ourselves to other people all the time. (laughs) And uh, why is everybody else getting ahead of me? Um, You are ahead of other people. um, But most people, you know, if you really worked hard, you could probably think of some people you're doing better than. Most of the time, we're just aware of how we're not measuring up to whatever we've put out there. We do the thing um, people, I think Brene Brown, other people say, is we compare our insides to other people's outsides, and we think everybody is doing better than we are. And this guy is saying, you know, everybody's doing better than I, you know, and um, there's no kind of berating him about how he needs to have more confidence or how he needs to have a, do spend more time with his vision board or whatever. Um, he just says, take up your mat and walk, which is he tells him to do a thing that he's not allowed to do. Mm-hmm. which is another, just, it's a layer of more grace upon more grace, more gospel upon more gospel, because he hasn't performed, he gets forgiven, and the thing he now tells him to do, and the thing Jesus is doing, they're both breaking the rules, because it's a Sabbath. So you're not supposed to pick up your man and walk, and you're not supposed to heal. And it's just, it's God play, having this, I think he's just, it's like this massive joke, this divine joke. You think that I work on the basis of performance and rewards, 
but actually everybody here in the story is quote-unquote breaking all the rules and his grace still goes forth. And he can do that because he is the lamb at the center there you of go. the whole thing. Tying it back together, Amen. Jacob Smith, bringing it all home. Well, once again, another great episode, if I say myself. I give myself five stars. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Great. Uh, we're not going to ask anybody else what they think. But anyway, um, thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.